This is UCD Business Impact, a new podcast series from the UCD College of Business, Ireland's leading business school. Now, as COVID restrictions come and go, some places are open, others are unfortunately shut. We now look back now on how some of Ireland's top athletes stayed mentally and physically fit through the lockdown. Originally aired on May 23rd as part of the UCD Festival at Home, BBC's Match of the Day sports commentator Conor McNamara interviewed a whole range of UCD alumni and sports stars, including Johnny Sexton, of course, from Leinster and Irish Rugby, Kleena Cramon, All-Ireland Soccer and UCD Soccer player, and Brian Fenton and Keen O'Sullivan from the Dublin senior football team. We hope you enjoy hearing them discussing leadership, teamwork and the resilience skills that help them to stay focused through the pandemic. But of course, these are good lessons to learn from at any time. Hope you enjoy. Right, well, we are here to speak about leadership in, in sport. I guess this is a, a funny time for all you guys. You, you play on teams, you're surrounded by teammates all the time. Has it been very strange being detached from that? I'm, I'm sure for the first week or two, it's probably a relief to have a bit of space, but how, how have you been finding things? Brian, maybe kick off with you. Is, is it weird not having that, that dressing room bond with, the, with your colleagues? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly bizarre, uh, Connor. I think I was asked this recently. It's the time away, you probably appreciate the lads more. Uh, I think having, you know, been away from them, I think uh, when you're training with them, you take it a little bit for granted. You know, this is going to happen every Monday, Tuesday and Thursday for, for the rest of the year, hopefully, until well into September. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly bizarre. It takes a couple of weeks to get used to it. But uh, luckily, there's been, as, as is well documented, there's been a couple of Zoom calls between us uh, and we're all keeping in touch. So uh, we're, not, we're never too far away from each other, really. Yeah, Johnny, you, you're keeping in touch with various teammates, the international, provincial, all the rest of it? Yeah, we've, we've actually got uh, surprisingly a lot done over these type of calls, the Zoom calls. And um, yeah, we, we've actually been able to be really proactive and, and meet up a, a good bit. And uh, it's been a good time to reflect and, and, you know, look back at what's been good and what we need to improve on, you know, from a leadership group point of view. And uh, so we've used the time uh, effectively, I think. And of course, for, for you, this significant era of leadership, you know, taking over the captaincy and, and obviously not the, not the ideal first year of that, but um, do you feel an extra responsibility that, that it's up to you to coordinate a little bit with your teammates, particularly the younger guys? Yeah, of course. We're, I'm lucky that we've got a very close uh, group in you know, Leinster and Ireland, so it's very easy to stay in touch with guys. We'd be very close off the pitch, so we'd spend a lot of time texting and you know into the group and you know texting each other ringing each other um so like i said it's it's not it's not a chore it's not something that you dread having to pick up the phone to guys it just happens naturally and um mm. yeah like, like brian said you, you really appreciate what you have you know when you're at training you do take it for granted and it's only when you look back and you think i really did take it for granted at times but i'm looking forward to getting back now and uh even small group training will be a big bonus mm. at this stage Absolutely. Uh, Kleena and Kian, you, you both probably might have been away from your teammates a little bit at the moment anyway. Kian, you've had a new arrival. Kleena, you've been doing exams. So had you sort of factored, maybe Kleena first, had you factored to, to take a little bit of time at the moment away from team sport anyway at the mo- right now? Yeah, so uh, I've been doing exams for the past two weeks, so I would have, wouldn't have been training really much during that time anyway. But I think I really miss like having a routine and being able to go and kind of because... Other people, if they have like jobs, they're on Zoom, you know, nine to five every day. But with the studying, you kind of tend to procrastinate and start a bit later. So, um, yeah, I just miss having a routine, you know, training in the afternoon. I have to get this much done during the day. Um, and obviously just having fun with your teammates. Right. So, you know, most people on, on this call will, will, will have done exams in UCD. What, what's it been like doing exams during coronavirus when you've got to do them at home? 
Yeah, it's a bit weird. You're just kind of doing an exam in your bedroom and it opens up at a certain time and then it's just like the clock is ticking. It's quite, it's really intense actually. And um, obviously uh, when you do exams in exam hall, I tend to just kind of learn things off and kind of regurgitate them onto the page. But when you're doing them at home, it's open note. So you have to be careful that you don't like plagiarize everything. <laughs> you actually think of your own ideas. I'm sure those marking your papers might be tuning in. So you, you, you know, you should get a few extra points for doing this anyway. And I hope that they'll help you out. Uh, Kian, you've had the new arrival. Congratulations. Uh, getting sleep? Getting, uh, getting last night, a good night last night. But just, there's, no, there's no telling how the night's going to go. Uh, we're six weeks ago at this stage. So uh, we're getting into a little bit of a routine. And uh, yeah, like in that respect, this isolation or, or lockdown period has been a massive positive for me on, on a family and personal side because I've got to spend loads of time with with a newborn Bonnie and, and my wife Danielle that I probably wouldn't otherwise have had um you know well six six weeks ago now and we've got the grips with um having this extra person in our lives and it's going great so I am looking forward to getting back into a bit of structure I'm probably so used to having structure as as athletes and you know you training x number of nights a week and you have to be here at this time and um being left to fend for it on your own and uh not have that structure in your day and your training is a, is a bit of a challenge but um looking forward to whenever it is getting back into some kind of mode of of training and playing I wonder, Johnny, this experience that you guys are going through, you know, normally using so much energy, normally so focused on your sport and, and suddenly not having any competition. Um, would, would recently retired players be good people to speak to at this stage? Because they, you know, everyone who retires must in a way have a little mini coronavirus period where they're, they're sitting at home, they're trying to still go for a run every now and again, they want to keep in good shape, but they don't have that competitive action to look forward to. Yeah, I think this is a great time to go and reach out to loads of different people of all different ilks and for me you know reaching out trying to find out you know what worked for them later on in their career um you know how they're coping themselves you know since retirement but very much for me it's focusing on you know how can how can you get better through this period i think that should be a key focus and something that's been we're trying to hammer home in leinster in ireland is how can we come out of this better and, and ahead of the curve ahead of the um you know the competition and uh, we've tried to go in with that mindset it, it has its uh, challenges you know when you you hear of uh, a date that you're due to be back that gets pushed back another couple of weeks and you think, oh, not again, and will it ever come back? But you've got to just try and stay positive. We've got a date now for, for the end of August that we can that we can aim for um, to, to be in, in top shape. And I try to look at it positively, like it's given me a break at this stage of my career that you know I've never really had before, like a five-month window to work on, on myself physically and mentally and hope to come back better, really. You no, know, and it's true. And you've had a history of of injuries of of various types. In in a way, could this be good for your body to to recover a little bit? Yeah, like all athletes, you know, injuries is the is the biggest battle, really. I I would describe it as, um, you know, over the course of your career, you go through highs and lows. But the the fight against injuries is is probably the hardest thing. Um, yeah, I, I think I've had a, a few over the years. I've been also very lucky that I'm still playing at this age and. And I haven't had that long a period out of, you know, I haven't had a real serious one, touch wood, I won't. But um, yeah, I've been very lucky. Um, but uh, you, you try and develop, you know, even better ways to, to stay more robust and, and make sure that when you do come back, you, you're ready to put some games together. Mm. Brian, it would have been a very big summer 
coming up ahead of you. What, what, what's your thoughts on it now? You know, when do you expect to be smelling cut grass again and, and out there kicking ball? Yeah, it's actually when I was listening to Gillian at the start, uh, introducing Keane and the, the history of chemical croaks. We, I think we were due to play them in the club championship. Uh, <laughs> as as I remember, do I have that correct, Keane? So, uh, so yeah, it sent a bit of a shiver down the spine. Chemical croaks are always very dominant in that competition. So potentially a little bit glad that that didn't go ahead. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think the GAA have come out and said the month of October. Uh, again, there's, there seems to be a big push, maybe just to open up even pitches for groups of four as the sort of guidelines stipulate now that to let people just get out and get back to any sense of normality. But uh, so yeah, as I said, John Oren, the, the president of the GAA has said October. That's what we're basing ourselves off now. So it's, it's trying to really time your run, as Johnny says, is to try and, you know, is there really any point going hell for leather now when, you know, if there's, if there is to be a competition runoff from October to Christmas that, you know, you might need to be peaking early December, you know, maybe late December. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot to, it, it completely changes everything about yeah. the structure that we've been used to over the last few years. But like Johnny says, I think it's for me, you know, not from an injury perspective, but you know, I've been on the road intensely now with Dublin for five years and no doubt it comes as a nice period just to reflect and take a breather my, my own club today, Rahini, are doing a fundraiser. I ran a couple of kilometers this morning. I never would have been able to do that if, say, we were training with Dublin. And, you know, there, there's silver linings to many things. But, um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, maybe later in the year, we might get a couple of games, whether it be behind closed doors or not. You know? mm-hmm. Well, we're here to talk about, uh, about leadership. Not so, it's so easy to dwell on, on the current situation. But, um, Brian, you came into a team that was very successful as you joined it, and obviously you've helped that success to continue. And we're talking about leadership. Is it difficult as a, as a young player to come in and maybe you want to show that, you know, you, you can show a bit of leadership even though you're young, but you might have to be patient and, and listen to the older heads first. Is there a balance to be, to be struck there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, absolutely. It's, it's completely not nerve-wracking. You, you know, you're, as a young player coming into a dressing room, it is the most daunting environment. You're coming in to, say, I came in 2015. Dublin had won the All-Ireland in 2011, 2013, and we're hotly tipped in 2014 you know they were at the top of their game and coming into that dressing room uh, is is difficult uh, undoubtedly uh, but and there is as you say there's that sort of period where you might have an idea and you might have an opinion or something to say but you stay shut and you just let the, the Kino Sullivan speak and let the Stephen Cluxton speak and uh, but then gradually I think a lot comes with playing games and training and growing the, the confidence and trust amongst your teammates maybe that you know, they sort of back you, you're developing that relationship with them and then you sort of gradually speak up a little bit. Um, you know, in Dublin, we try and get younger lads incorporated and involved as quick as we can and let them either talk to the group or present to the group and just to break that barrier because it can certainly be very difficult and you're, there's, there's certainly a bit of a quiver in the voice when you start to talk yeah. to the group for the first time. But, uh, but yeah, no, undoubtedly there is. But that comes, as I said, with trust and getting to know the lads and developing that relationship with them, you know. Yeah, Keen. What from from your? Uh, so I would say this politely. If, if you're one of the more senior members of the of the squad, and you have been for a while, if a if a young hotshot comes in, do you want to see them brave enough to to start displaying leadership qualities, or do you think they need to buy their time? For me, like the biggest, you know, learnings around leadership having been part of Dublin and part of a high performance setup for however many years it is, is that it comes in many different guises. And it's not just someone standing up and presenting to the team or someone giving a pep talk before a game or jumping in. Like, oftentimes you have players in squads that speak for, for no reason and can speak too much. And, you know, that's not good leadership. 
like leadership, the best form of leadership for me is, is um, you know, what standards and behaviours are you, are you showing to the rest of your players? and Are you leading by example? Um, so from that respect, 100%, you want to see that from, from new players coming into the squad. And as Brian said, we're trying to create an environment where, where everyone is given a voice and is encouraged to use that voice. And voice isn't in the literal sense of voice. It's, it's show us what you have. These are what we expect from players. It's up to you now to show everyone else that you can adhere to those standards and behaviours or whatever um, and lead the group in, in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to be on the squad whenever Stephen Cluxon's there, probably 17 or 18 years at this stage um, to do that. You know, you can be in just a week or two and uh, hit the ground running that way. Um, so certainly, yeah, like that that's critical for, for the success of our team that we have new blood coming in and uh, leading the squad in that way. Clean. Mm. when you were in the States, uh, how did you feel maybe toward, in your final year if there's a freshman player comes in and, and they've got opinions and they want to show that they can you know, be a voice in the dressing room? Is, is that welcomed by senior players, do you think, particularly with that American element? Because Americans always seem to be so fluent and, and, and ready to share their thoughts, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, like a good leader wants to hear other people's opinions and wants to take, it's, it's everybody's team, it's not just the leader's team, wants to take uh, everything into account and when I was a captain I kind of appreciated other people speaking up because maybe I, I was a little bit quiet and wouldn't be like a traditional captain that would kind of tell people what to do or be very vocal. I was more like Ian was saying, like lead, leading by example and just trying to work my hardest and you know doing smaller things like just showing up early to every team function and stuff like that. So um, yeah, anybody else who wanted to speak up, you know, they're definitely more than welcome. I think it's, it's better to have many voices and not just one, one leader. It's easy, I guess, to look at, at a captain of a rugby team and say, well, they lead by example. But is there a quality that you would pick out, Johnny? Well, it'd be exactly, it would be exactly that. Sorry to give you the <laughs> boring answer. But what Keen said is the guys that have, I've played under that have been great captains have been the guys that have, and I'm talking about coaches as well, because they're obviously leaders. Um, they, they set the tone. They set the example that everyone else needs to, to follow, um, whether that's being first in the building as a coach, um, as, a, as, a, as a senior player, you know, how you carry yourself around the organisation, you know, the example that you lead on and off the pitch to the younger guys. Um, so it is very much actions first. Of course, then there's the other elements of leadership, the being inspirational, like I've played under some great inspirational captains that will get the hair on the back of your neck standing up. But that's just the the extra 1%. That, that wouldn't have carried any weight if they didn't do the first bit, um, which accounts for like 95% of leadership, which is, like Ian said, lead by example. Um, you know what I mean? And give, some, give everyone else in the organization something to follow. So that's yeah. definitely the most important. Yeah. Brian, t- tell us about working under Jim Gavin. He's, he's got a, a military background, doesn't he? Does, does that come into the, the organizational structures and things? Yeah, for certain. I'd say everyone online who's, who's watching in has heard of Jim's background, military background, and it, he, that just came naturally through in, in his leadership style. I think everything was planned down to the last detail, whether it was whether we were traveling to an away game or the durations of meetings or anything like that. So it was just that military precision that he brought and look, I think, you know, his, his record speaks for itself that that worked. And, but as Johnny says, I think he, not only did he just bring a structure to everything, he, he was the man who led by example. He was first at training and 
I remember I, I left a notebook at, of where we train in DCU during the summer and I went back up about an hour and a half after the players had probably left the building and Jim was still there, you know, that's all right. So that's just leading by example, putting in the graft and, and the hard work behind the scenes, the mundane stuff, I think uh, goes a long way to that trust and that leadership developing amongst the players. Smurfit courses are very intense. How do you manage to balance your studies with playing sport at a high level? How have you found that, that balancing act between needing to be top of your game in one discipline, but then also not, not you know, letting the studies get, get, get built up on you? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a juggling act, I suppose. Um, I'm one year now into my sort of business master's degree and luckily it's a part-time degree, so it's not full-time. Uh, I'm, well, I suppose it's even more challenging in many ways because you're training, you're working and you're sort of, you're trying to get to get to the classes. Um, but that set up in, in UCD, they have it done fantastically and probably many people looking online have done part-time degrees and stuff. But um, So they do it sort of block release Fridays, Saturdays and, and you are trying to juggle that with okay, I might have an away league game that Saturday. Can I get to a couple of hours of college in the morning to, to then get on the team bus at one o'clock and get to a game or something? So it's certainly challenging. I'm a year into it, but I've been very lucky that, you know, the way they've set up the, the degree, there's a lot of group work, there's a lot of interaction, there's a lot of sharing ideas. And I think you really, it comes down to, you know, even only recently, I missed a lecture one day, I had to leave for a match and, and one of my classmates emailed me the notes from the, from the, from the class later that day. So it's just, you know, people looking out for each other Everyone's in the same boat. A lot of a lot of the students enrolled in it would would have kids and families. You know, would have mm. as many things on their agenda as I would. And it's just looking out for each other. And I think, you know, I'm not plugging UCD here, but they facilitate that as best they can. And the staff and the lecturers have been incredible in, in supporting us. Thankfully, so. Yeah, there's always been a strong connection as a sport in, in UCD. Clint, how have you found it? I guess to be successful in sport, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to have structure. D- does it actually dovetail with, with study quite well? Or do, do you find it difficult at times to, to make them both be as effective as they can be? I tend to just um, kind of simplify everything. So, you know, whether it's college or, or sports, I kind of just take it day by day and say, you know, I have this to do today and I'm going to get through this before I kind of start getting too far ahead of myself. Or maybe they release all the assignments at the start of the year and I look at them and I'm like, so overwhelmed. Like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do all that. Um, so I kind of just simplify it, you know, take it one part at a time and uh, kind of keep working my way through stuff. And like, say, I have to submit this assignment today and I have training later. And then, you know, I'll move on to the next day. And I think that kind of, helps me be more like confident in myself to uh, kind of achieve what I want in sports and in college. Um, mm. And yeah, like Brian was saying, UCD have been like so supportive. Uh, if you miss a lecture or anything, you know, they, your classmates will help you catch up and there's a lot of group work and stuff. So you can text anybody in your group and ask them what you missed. So um, yeah, it's definitely manageable when you, when you break it down. Mm-hmm. Kian, you've you've got a, a real job as well as uh, as playing sport, and I'm, look, I'm sure it opens doors for you. People know who you are from a sporting fame, which I'm sure helps you professionally. Uh, how do you find that balance? For example, do you think when you retire from playing, will your job be easier? Will it be harder? What, what, what do you make of it? To a certain yeah. So on the first question there, to a small degree, it does help in the job in terms of business development and opening doors and stuff. But I'm a tax advisor, so it's quite a technical area, um, and unless you're able to deliver as a tax advisor it's uh, not really worth anything so you can open a door well, and hear ga stories when, when tax yeah. returns are due yeah, yeah after 10 minutes talking about the game at the weekend <laughs> it doesn't really count for much if you can't um 
deliver for your clients. So um, I've been very fortunate to be able to pursue that career in tandem with with uh, playing football, inter-county football. And I, like, I don't think it's going to be any easier once I finish. Like, I think one of the one of the biggest pieces of advice I ever got around time management was, you know, when you break it down in the week, there's a lot of errors there. Like you have 24 hours a day, say there's 160 whatever errors a week. And you consider how much time you sleep, how much time you're at training and what's left to do other stuff. Like there's a good bank of errors there. So when people say to you that, you know, oh, I just don't have the time or how do you have the time to do that? It's not really a reflection of actually the time. It's your focus, you know, what, what are you, what are you focusing on? What are you prioritizing? And if you're very clear about what it is that you want to achieve, then, then the time shouldn't be, shouldn't be a factor. And that goes for whether it's your studies or your professional life um, and sport and making that all work. Um, so yeah, I guess if that answers the question. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Um, so Johnny, the, you know, Brian and, and Clean have got study. Keen's got his, his tax job. I, I guess you're getting more time to be daddy now. I mean, is that the, is that the role that maybe, it, I mean, you know, I, I travel a lot for sport and probably as much as you do, you feel guilty that you're not at home more often. You feel guilty you're not doing the stuff with the kids. Is now a time for you to catch up on that? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, you know, we're, we're still trying to, to train at home. Uh, we've got sessions to do every day um, for, for certain weeks. Um, but that is something that I definitely did struggle with um, when I first had a family was, uh, where kids uh, was, was, like Ian said, was managing my time. And when you're at training, not feeling guilty about not being at home with the kids or feeling guilty, you know, when you're getting, like a lot of our stuff recovery-wise, if it's, if it's going, getting a massage or going for a nap, you know, during the day, I was struggling because I was, I was like almost thinking like I'm doing something wrong here, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was actually more detrimental because, you know, I'd have been better off just going and relaxing for half an hour than worrying about, you know, getting home. So I actually, uh, the lads would know him well, uh, Gary Keegan, um, who works with the Dublin football team, I, I, I got recommended him and um, I, I met him and uh, he was brilliant for me. This was a few years ago now. And uh, we, like Ian said, time management, you know, put things in, in perspective. You know, when I'm working, I'm working. Uh, these are the hours I'm working. When I'm home, I'm home. And it's very much just being present, uh, just being mindful of where you are and, and being focused on whatever that is at the time. And uh, that helped me massively with, with juggling a lot of different things at once. And I guess, I guess even more than the other guys, you, you when you travel, go for periods. You know, things like World Cups or Lions tours, you're away for a, a long time. So again, th- does leadership come into that, that, that when you're home, you, do you feel under pressure to make up for those absences? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, like I, this is the, the good thing about being home now for an extended period, like the, the, the stage my youngest is at. Um, she's just coming up to two. I probably missed uh, the other two kids you know, in this period, and she's changed enormously in the last six weeks. Like it's, it's been crazy for me to actually see it, as opposed to you go to New Zealand for me in the Lions Tour, I'm gone for two months and I come home and I've got like two totally different kids uh, <laughs> that I didn't see growing up. So it's, it's nice from that perspective. Um, the hard part is normally I come home at like four o'clock, um, you know, have my dinner with the kids and then I have a bit of crack with them for, for an hour or two. So I'm the fun parent. Uh, whereas <laughs> yeah. now you know, I get up in the morning and they think I need to be the fun parent for 12 hours a day. <laughs> And it's not, it's not much respite there, but um, look, it's good. It's got its challenges, but it's very much, um, you know, great problems to have. We're all fit and healthy and, um, yeah, enjoying the time at the moment. 
Excellent, excellent. Have any of you watched the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance? He certainly gave a, an example to follow for the, the teammates. Well, what do you think of that leadership? Yeah, it's, fasc- like, it's a fascinating documentary and a fascinating insight. I, I, I can say that I never really played with anyone of that ilk. Um, you know, his ego, which we would normally associate with being a kind of negative or, or something that might take away from the group or the team, that seemed to drive his team and um, his personal goal of success and being the best of all time, which was, I think, an individual more, more so than a team goal, um, had the indirect effect of pulling his team with him. So it was, it was funny that I think just given the talent uh, and a bit of an outlier with regards to high-performing teams, like usually it's, it's the unit that really drives it or makes a success, whereas you have an individual here that's almost um, accounting for the whole unit. So, yeah, like I can't say I'd see any parallel, parallels with any individuals that I've ever played with, but um, fascinated by, by the story and fascinated by the character. Ne- never would have really uh, known that he had those traits or that was his character. So um, fascinating uh, documentary, definitely. Yeah, I work with a lot of footballers in England and you know their reaction to it has been, maybe put this to you, Brian, that they say if there was a guy like that in a Premier League dressing room, he'd be kicked out. They wouldn't tolerate, no matter how good you are. And they would say someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, he might, he might love himself in certain ways, he might preen in front of the mirror and stuff, but, but he would have to be a member of the team. Could you see someone in Gaelic football, no matter how good they are, could they ever have that dominance? Yeah, it's, it's probably a tough question. I, just back to Keane's uh, point, again, it's just in Gaelic games, we're always trying to squash that out. It's, yeah. It's, selflessness we're trying to promote it's that humility we're trying to promote it's you know no one is greater than the team that's always the message is you know everyone is replaceable and you know they never sort of rest in your laurels and everyone has to be given 100 percent. but it is remarkable as Keane said you know I think we all watched it and to see how you know having achieved so much from my, what my big takeaway from it was he had achieved so much but how he developed that bit of chip on his shoulder to sort of go again and go again what people said whether it was media, whether it was the other, you know, ball handler, just even looking at him, he was like, I'm going to show you all now how good I am. And, uh, and obviously the adversity that he went through as well to come through that, you know, the, the death of his father and stuff. It's just, as Keane says, remarkable to have seen his full story. But uh, mm. yeah, I'm not sure now in a Gaelic dressing room how far he'd go, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure what Jim Gavin would have, would have thought of him, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Clearly, you, you, you've, you've more experience than any of us of American sport. I mean, the thing that fascinated me was the whole trash talk thing, which is obviously very entertaining. I'm just wondering in, you know, college soccer and stuff in the States, would, would, would people give that sort of trash talk? Would, would it motivate you if you heard something like that from an opponent? Me personally, no, but... Definitely, I think it's part of the kind of sports culture over in America. Um, they're all just extremely motivated to, you know, be successful and take any opportunity that comes their way. And, you know, I think uh, in general, they always, you know, they, they just strive to be the best, the best player, the one with the most awards, you know. Uh, it's kind of, I think, maybe more individual especially in sports like basketball and like baseball you know the typical american sports um whereas over here you know i think most players would say they'd rather win like i don't know the all ireland over the best player in ireland you know they'd mm. rather the team award over over an individual or i think a lot of americans would choose the individual award. Mm. 
I guess, Jerry, the whole idea of the trash talk is you're, you're, you're probably trying to rile your opponent. Michael Jordan seemed to, you know, if, if, if someone dissed him, it made him go and win the game. I guess the worry, are, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it, is if someone riles you up too much and you try too hard, does that make you a less effective performer? Yeah, no, it's, it's different for every individual, I think. I think you see some individuals that get riled up and, and they perform even better. You see some that when they get riled up, they totally lose their head and... Uh, so you can't really speak, yeah, for everyone in, in that regard. I think in in modern sport, I don't know. Again, I don't know about American sports, but you know, with rugby, there's very little, you know, trash talk that goes on these days. Uh, maybe at the start there was a little bit, but um, now I get very, very little of it at the moment. Um, the, the, there's microphones on referees. There's microphones on each side. <laughs> so all that stuff probably um, makes people a bit more self-conscious. Any advice on how to keep kids engaged remotely during these times? Have you any any back back garden drills you'd recommend? Well, remotely is uh, yeah is the key. Yeah, <laughs> very difficult. I think Care Uncle Kenny, um, one of our teammates, has done an incredible job in preparing us for them over the last however many weeks it is. Uh, every day he's posted new skills and drills. I don't know how he, I don't know where he's finding these drills from because <laughs> like I would have run out after the first five days, I'd say of new drills. Uh, but he has a catalog on his Twitter page of every GAA skill and drill under the sun. Um, so that would be a great reference point. And in fairness to him, he's, uh, he's done a fantastic job in that and keeping a lot of uh, the young GAA players in the country uh, entertained for the last seven or eight weeks. No, brilliant. Definitely sounds worth that, uh, worth checking out. Uh, Brian, what, what do you, you miss any, any little things? I mean, obviously you miss getting a score, hearing the roar of a crowd, that kind of stuff. But, you know, do, do you miss the smell of DP? Do you smell you know, those little things that, 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 that maybe you don't think about when it's happening week in, week out? Um, no, luckily I don't spend too much time at the physio table for now. <laughs> so don't, don't miss the strapping or the DPs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you do, I, I think it comes back to one of the answers I probably gave earlier. It's just that the crack, the camaraderie, mm. the friendship. You know, people, you go training and then you might grab a, grab a coffee with someone after training and... You know, we have incredible times. A lot goes on behind the scenes. I suppose everyone sees us playing at, you know, August, September in front of 80,000 people. But a lot goes on behind the scenes to create genuine friendships. And uh, it's just, it's probably cliche, but it's just a crack with the lads. I miss Ian Keane. I miss slagging them. I miss all of that stuff. You know? so, uh, so, yeah, it's just, that's, that's what you miss. That, that sort of pre-training, post-training, bit of crack, bit of dillament that's in the dressing room. I think that's what I, I certainly miss the most. Certainly. Yeah, Clean, is there much crack in the dressing room in the states? Do do they have the same sort of sense of humour we do? Yeah, I think it's it's probably a bit more. You know, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of you know all the American girls. They do a lot of like dancing and stuff for games. <laughs> Not very serious at all, and we kind of we we take our speaker in and we just play music and dance and stuff. And then, you know, when the, the, when the coach comes in to give the, the talk before the game, that's when you kind of tune in and are ready to go then. Do you set yourself objectives every year, both both personal and team objectives? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, of course, they're, you know, secondary to, you know, your values and all the things that you, you try and live by day to day. But of course, the, at, the, at the end of the day, it's professional sport and we're here to, to try and achieve. Um, how you do that is important as well. But uh yeah, personally, I try and set goals at the start of a year. Um, you know, even now, you know, over this period, trying to set some goals about how I return to training, um, the condition I'm in, 
the, the state of mind. I mean, all those things. So uh, sh- small or short-term goals, long-term goals. Yeah, definitely. And as a team as well, we we definitely had um, under Joe Schmidt, who'd, who'd have uh, even a, a lasting impression in Leinster's organisation. We'd be very value, you know, driven as opposed to goal driven. Um, so it's very much you know, our successes have been built off those values and not so much goals. But I think within that, guys know the standards, you know, mean trying to win competitions and that's the end goal. We don't really need to have to talk about that. But, uh, you know, the goals are driven by how we live our lives uh, day to day within the organisation and uh, making sure that the culture is right. How do the panellists feel about playing games with, with no fans? Keen, if, if, if sport does come back, but it's behind closed doors, does that make it more difficult for you? Would you just be happy to be out there? What, what, what's your views? Purely from a player's perspective, without thinking of the game on a wider community level, um, I'd, whatever form they can reintroduce playing and training, I'd be certainly for it. Um, you know, that's why I play the game um, is to is to play um, and to, to train and to try and be successful and it's not to play in front of a crowd. Now, I know as a fan you want to go and experience the games and enjoy the day out or watch it on the telly and soak up the atmosphere but certainly as a player it doesn't really make a difference to me whether there's a crowd there or there's a not. It's, it's about playing and it's about um, trying to strive towards the goals that we set ourselves so um you know i'd I'd definitely be in favor of it but i know there's a lot of different stakeholders involved in sport um so everyone has to be considered in in making those decisions yeah i'd say kind of selfishly personally as a commentator i've commented on games behind closed doors and and naturally you know when when a goal goes in when a try is scored your voice raises because normally the crowd is roaring you know and even when the stadium is empty you find yourself oh it's a goal and you're getting really loud for some reason and it always sounds terrible and I think it's like being a surfer in a wave you know that the crowd go- noise goes up and your voice goes up with it and, it and it all sounds okay if there's no wave underneath you you're just floating in midair and I think if, if you ever hear an advert and someone's put in some fake commentary you always know it's fake commentary it's ever the real commentary because the crowd isn't there in the background. Brian, what, what do you find? How much does the crowd motivate you? How much would your performance suffer if the, the cheer wasn't there in the background for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I, was, I would agree with Keen a lot of things, but I differ as well. I think the, what the crowd gives me on a match day is complete energy. Uh, we're very lucky in Dublin. We've incredible support. Probably a lot of the same fans would follow Leinster rugby. Um, but in a packed out stadium, when, you are, when you're at your lowest, it just there's an energy given to you from the crowd to... to make the, another run or to support another play or make another tackle or something. So, uh, and like you, you know, it's, it's just, I've seen a couple of games where there's no fans, whether it be soccer and even in the German leagues over the last few weeks. And there is, there's just something missing, you know, it just, I don't know what it is. And so for me, as, as Keen would say, we play to play and, uh, you know, you're sort of itching to, to get the jersey back on. But uh, what to, a match for me without fans is just, unthinkable you know they add so much so much energy and enthusiasm and the atmosphere just you know without them I don't know would it be the same Johnny you'll have played training matches I'm sure games behind closed doors does it affect your performance to the the, the absence of crowd um yeah I think it's it's going to be a challenge definitely it's something that uh I've been very lucky I've, I've had a long career playing in front of supporters and and big crowds but uh I think at the end of all this, I think we'll be so desperate to get back on the pitch. And I think it'll be such a driver for, for anyone that plays the game that 
there's something higher at stake as well and it's it's very much a case of get back out there and and give people something to watch you know if you're sitting at home you know I'm desperate to to watch a game of football or you know watch Man United again or you know any type of sport I'd, I'd latch on to anything um just as Man United were, were beginning to turn the corner actually Johnny they were beginning to play okay in recent months before this uh, we're going to be even better now when we get back uh, <laughs> so it's um no, it is, and it's something that you know. If you can, if you can think about it like that, it's going to be very special for people yeah. watching, you know, from home and, and getting rugby back on the on the TV for the first time, and um, you know, to, to get that in that mindset and try and create something bigger than you know yourself for the game um, will definitely motivate us all. Yeah. Okay. Well, just a couple of minutes to go, Clean. What, what are you most looking forward to, to to getting back out there, putting the boots on, and and getting back into action? What, what, what what's what's the main motivation factor for you? Um, I think just, you know, having a routine again and, you know, you can do all the fitness you want outside and stuff, but just getting back to like match fitness and being able to compete against other people and obviously uh, see your friends, you know, some of the best friends that I've made are through sports. So being able to just see everyone again and just, I just miss competing, competing every day. Mm. Kian, will you appreciate it more having, having had to sit in the sidelines for a while? Oh, certainly, yeah really like i guess your whole mental approach uh to this situation is 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 massive and being part of high performance setups i think you're you're driven to always look at um what the opportunity is and to try and take the positive out of the situation so you know certainly how we're addressing this period and um you know the opportunity being to navigate this lockdown period as best we can as a group so that when we do come back, you know, we can hit the ground running. Um, but you're also thinking about, um, you know, the positives and um, that, that the sport gives you and having been away from it so long, um, you know, it is a great pause to reflect. You can kind of just get caught up in the seasons rolling into seasons and you're in such a routine. Uh, and I've been playing for however many years now it is at this stage that you don't get really good time and periods to step back and, and reflect on things, which is what I have got, but it's been taken away uh, these last couple of weeks. So like we, we'd normally be training down in uh, in DCU uh, this, this time of year and in a pitch in St. Clair's and, you know, the thoughts of going out and playing a, an internal game there or, or a training session uh, on a nice fresh day uh, as we've had the last couple of weeks is something that I'm really, really, hoping I can experience soon and it's uh, got me very uh, excited to experience again. Definitely. You mentioned um, positivity there. I think this is a good thing to, to finish up on actually. We've, and I might do a quick fire with all of you on this. Um, he says, it must be hard to stay positive during COVID when you cannot be playing the sport that you've loved all your life. Do you have any tips for staying positive? Brian, what, what, what do you do if you are feeling low? What, what, what do you do to get yourself back, back so feeling good again? Start with me, Connor. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it is. It is tough. I think we're all sort of out of sync slightly. Uh, as the lads have said, there's many positives, but you know, we're all eager to get back to our normal ways and our normal life. So, for me, uh, I think it's just that huge sense of gratitude that I find. Uh, again, not to be cliche, but you know, I, I get to spend more time now with my girlfriend in the evenings. I get to come home and, and visit my family more often, whereas otherwise I would have been in training. So, I think just have a little bit of sense, just as Johnny reference before just that small sense of being present and yes we're all anticipating what's down the road and normal life and you know maybe the day in the beach or out to Hoth or out to Malahide or whatever it is but uh, a huge sense for me of just 
realization that I'm still very lucky and still very fortunate. I'm healthy, I'm young, mm. and there's, there's a huge road ahead. So uh, just that sense of reality, really. Uh, so quick one from you, Johnny, on positivity. Any little tip to, to, to turn it around if you are feeling low? Try and get out and play golf. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, look, it is a challenge. It's a massive challenge at the moment uh, to try and remain positive, you know, through this time, especially for us as athletes, you know, where we can't do what we love to do. Um, and uh, it is a challenge. That's the first thing to say. The, the other way, like, I think the best way for me is to, to create a routine and, you know, in my day, um, you know, that just brings me back to a bit of normality in terms of training at a certain time, um, you know, spending time with the kids, training again, or, you know, any type of routine, um, mm. you know, keeps me positive, keeps me um, sort of focused and, and, and ready to, to try and get back, uh, you know, and hit the ground running. So that's, that's how I do it. And mm. like I said, try and, try and use the time wiser. You uh, think of it positively and think about it as time to improve and to, to improve areas that you wouldn't have otherwise. So um, that's the way I'm trying to do it. Quick one from you, Kleena. Any, any little tip to stay positive? Um, I think that, you know, one of the best things you learn from sport is, you know, getting back up every time you get knocked down, like things don't go your way in games or, you know, you have a bad season. So I think the key is just, you know, keeping your goals, you know, visualizing your goals and, you know, keep on pushing forward towards them, even if it's just one step at a time, just a little bit. And, um, just, I also just think about what I'm going to do when quarantine's over and kind of <laughs> makes me a bit more positive. Excellent. Quick one from you, Kian. Um, Yeah, I guess like a piece of advice I got before on that, if there's like a situation you're uncomfortable with or that you're getting frustrated with, you just flip it around on its head, ask yourself the question, what's the opportunity here? Mm. And just immediately turn it into a positive. So... Yeah, you could be negative and downhearted about uh, lockdown and that impact it has on training and playing sports. But also, if you were to ask yourself, okay, what's the opportunity? Well, for me personally, I've been given a window to do some work on strength and conditioning and on prehab and stuff that I otherwise wouldn't have so that when I get to the end of this period, my body's in, in right shape to, to hit the ground running. Other opportunity is that, you know, I've got loads of time at home now with my newborn and my wife Danielle that I wouldn't other, otherwise have. So asking yourself that question and that automatically focuses you on, on positive things. Um, so that's just a little handy trick. No, definitely, definitely. Well, listen, to Cleanan, to Brian and to, to Keenan, Johnny, thanks so much. And it's been great to, to hear your insight. And I think uh, Gillian wants to, to just say goodbye to everyone now, but thanks for me. Yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks so much. Much Connor for fantastic with you and thanks to our panelists again for their time this afternoon. 